Hi, thanks for joining us on Redux, a podcast by Ace on how events of the past influence investment strategy and decision making. Commodity prices have almost doubled in the last year and nearly hitting all-time highs. On this episode, we have Niranjan Sridhar. Niranjan has been an active investor for over 16 years. Currently, he is involved with advisory at iThought. Niranjan, why don't you take us through what the entire cycle was like in the 2000s? Hey, Harshal. Thank you for having me here. So, let me start off. The commodity cycles of the 2000s came nearly after a two-decade time of very low commodity prices globally. Incidentally, the last run for commodities where they ran up really high was in the 1970s. And just to also just give you a small sense of what happened, between 1990 and 2000, okay, there was no major war or any crisis, or I would say economic crisis, to stop development. China was en route to becoming the world's manufacturer, coupled with the factor of easy money policy from the United States, who also were doing very well economically. And this was also a time when we were about a decade into liberalization in India. So what had happened in the beginning of the 2000s were that commodity prices were exceptionally cheap and these commodity companies were trying to deleverage their balance sheet after all the expansions that were done in the 1990s. And this was also a time when both India and China were, exp- were aggressively expanding their infrastructure. And naturally, the demand for commodities was starting to heat up. In the first half of the decade of 2000, we also had in India the golden quadrilateral project that was coming up and there was also the impending real estate boom. And in the case of China, it was the, the 2008 Beijing Olympics to which they were building to. See, the parallel to the 2K commodity, uh, to the commodity cycles of uh, the first decade of 2000 would be the uh, post-World War II rebuilding of the global economy and the late 19th century and early 20th century economic expansion globally. And incidentally, both these were commodity super cycles. See, now that you've touched upon China, how big was China's role in the entire cycle? The role of China on this? Um, as I already told you before, no? China was basically becoming the factory for the world. Okay, Global companies were all chasing each other to setting up manufacturing in China simply because one labor was very cheap. The labor force was reasonably well educated. The Chinese government initially set up many ICCs along the coastline and later on into, into the deeper parts of the mainland. All this needed significant infrastructure in terms of power and manufacturing and roads, basically for logistics. China duly obliged because they were getting a lot of foreign FDI was coming in. This led to the Chinese consuming commodities like no other. The peak was during the run-up to the 2008 Beijing Olympics where China wanted to showcase what China can do to the world. And so they went hammer and tongs on the commodity space and didn't bother to, didn't even bat, I would say, didn't even batter an eyelid on the price of the commodities. Just to give you a case as to how this run was, was the uh, price of the iron ore that was being shipped to China. This went from $10 a metric ton in 2003 to $170 by April 2009. Okay, yes, the Olympics did get over in 2008 itself. But usually the run does not end immediately. It takes a little bit of time to slow down. So this basically like China was in a situation like what this Brian Adams song was. 
I think you might have heard the song. It's called "Can't Stop This Thing We Started." See, while they levered up back in the late stages of two thousands, now the focus for all these companies in India is to pay off their debt, and it's taken them nearly a decade to clean their books off. So tell me, how are you able to relate to the events in the two thousands to now during the COVID era? Um, how I would correlate to the current scenario? It's like this Led Zeppelin song. Actually, song remains the same. It's just that the players are different. Earlier, it was China, which was consuming, and now I think this time it should be the United States, given the fact that uh, Joe Biden has announced that he's going to be pumping in about three trillion dollars to refurbish the infrastructure in the United States. Just to give you a sense of what's happening in the United States, is that all this infrastructure that you see has been built, that has been built in the United States, was built by Dwight Eisenhower. who was the president of the united states in the 1950s so all your interstates your waterworks all of the railroads everything was done and dusted there and after that we not had much for the last 70 years so the state of the infrastructure in the united states is not i would rather say there's a lot left to be desired in their standards so there will be a lot of push from the united states for in, for infrastructure development and you should or rather we should be able to see a run on the commodities and from where i'm seeing just to also just to give you a sense incidentally steel as we speak is still down 35% from its peak in the last 10 years so that's just just i'm just taking the case of steel because steel is a very easily available commodity and just trying to tell you how that what's happening on that space why spend on infrastructure because it's a sure fire way of trying getting getting the economy to to work basically having the engines of the economy fire so that it can progress because there will be a lot of economic activity sub economic activity so we'll be tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 economic activities that will happen say for example somebody gets a work contract he'll subcontract it to somebody else locally and that guy will be able to spread out the work so that's the best way of doing it historically that's how it runs everywhere in the world they do it only that way so this is a good way of trying to stimulate the economy Iranjan before I let you go we have to talk about what's the whole deal behind currency versus commodities the dollar index since 2020 has corrected nearly 12% you know where does the real value lie currency versus commodities i think the answer is quite obvious it is commodities for the simple fact that commodities is a finite uh, entity while your currency at the way at which today you seeing the kind of liquidity that's being printed i mean basically the kind of note the amount of notes that's being printed in by the central banks it's kind of it's pretty much unlimited so that way commodities you know what you just have this much commodities left yeah while it might still be a large number that doesn't mean that it's going to last endlessly so for me i believe in the physical asset which is the commodity i'm a big fan of the commodities by themselves and what i also believe would be the way is that the way this liquidity is going to be sloshing around the system um we are going to see a run on the commodities there is going to be a run on the commodity space it might not be good for a lot of economies but yeah this is what is the end result of uh, all the note note printing that's happening so this is the logical conclusion just to give you a sense post world war 1 the weimar republic which was the precursor to the nazi germany 
got into hyperinflation simply because they went into a spiral of note printing. I've been a very firm believer in this theory that history always repeats. It's just that the wise or and the intelligent profit from it. If you were to take heed to what history has shown us in the past, if we make the right moves, we should be able to profit out of it quite well. Thank you so much, Niranjan, for your time and for sharing your experiences in the 2000s. I hope to connect with you soon. Thanks, Arshil. Thanks for having me here. It was a pleasure talking to you. Good day.